pay. Are you ready to create reliable revenue and master every detail of your hosting business? If you want to avoid compromising all those hospitality details that you love, but still approach hosting like the business it is, we created a free class just for you. Set aside 45 minutes. We promise it's worth your time. And go watch our value-packed workshop where we go over how to master every detail of your hosting business with our foolproof hosting business mastery method that will help you avoid hosting burnout. Growing. We're simply starting your hosting business isn't always easy, but it can be simple. We'll help you avoid the three big mistakes that are keeping you stuck, tired, and overwhelmed as a short-term rental host so that you have a powerful revenue stream you can actually rely on. If you're ready to take your hosting to the next level, head on over to thanksforvisiting.me forward slash workshop to watch this on-demand training or send us a DM on Instagram with the word workshop. We'll send you the link and most likely a video (laughs) DM. We love those. Again, that's thanksforvisiting.me forward slash workshop. You're listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. We believe hosting with heart is at the core of every successful short-term rental. With Annette's background in business operation and Sarah's extensive hospitality management and interior design experience, this dynamic duo has welcomed more than 2,000 guests from 25 countries, earning them over half a million dollars and garnering them over 650 five-star reviews. Now they're ready to share creative ways for your listing to stand out, to serve your guests and be profitable. Each episode will have knowledgeable guests who bring value to the short-term rental industry, or Annette and Sarah will share stories about their own experiences so you can implement actionable improvements to your own rentals. Whether you're experienced, new, or nervous to start your own short-term rental, we promise you'll feel right at home. Here are your hosts, Annette and Sarah. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another great week. I am Sarah Karakayan. I am Annette Grant, and together we are... Thanks for visiting. We are pumped to be with you yet again with another awesome educational episode, something we haven't talked about before. But before we get into that, Annette is going to do that thing we love to do, which is share one of you um, for our STR Share Sunday. We say Sunday because on Instagram, we'll share you there. But then also we share you to all of our Instagram listeners. You also get a shout out um, to our email list. And, and on our blog. And on our blog. So and make sure you're using our hashtag. We're going to start putting a lot more time and attention into that. So jump on the train now. I mean, we're this is free advertising. I don't like... Let yeah. me, zero, zero, zero. Free. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do it. And also now we'll admit like, so we just started YouTube, everyone. So if you'd like to like visually watch Annette and I chat about um, today's episode, you can hop on our YouTube channel. Thanks for visiting there. And this way we can show you the actual property we are looking at uh, when we we talk about it. So we're just starting that this week. So uh, who are we sharing? This week we are sharing at A-Frame Lake Ozark. Again, that's at A-Frame Lake Ozark. And... If you can guess, it's an A-frame <laughs> in the Ozarks. But a couple, there's really just a few things that I want to chat about this particular property. Number one, they went super bold with the door. I love it. It's, it's yellow. You're not going to miss it. And then they did a really dark exterior. And I think... One thing, um, one thing about that is it just makes it really easy for the guests to find, to find the house. You guys, like, again, we, we talk about that, that check-in experience is the most nerve-wracking part 
for the guest, if you can help ease that in any way, shape, or form, do that for them. So like, I already know if I was driving around the Ozarks and I saw this, I'd be like, that's our spot. Let's pull in. So well done with that. And um, the second thing I specifically want to talk about, because you don't see you don't see this this often, is they have um, in their, they kind of have like a drop zone, if you will, in the house. And I love that they highlight, they have a secondary refrigerator. And when you are staying at a lake house, I don't know um, who you guys go to the lake house with or what you do there. You need your beer fridge. You need all the beverages. And I think that's one of those things that you really just don't think about. I mean, especially this house sleeps eight people. If you're going to go there for an entire week, it's a lot of things. And I know um, a lot of beach houses do this too, because a lot of guests, if they get there early, I will let you guys know this. A lot of guests, if they ask you to check in early, a lot of times it's because they're bringing all of their groceries with them, especially if it was drivable or if they stopped at the grocery on the way in. If you can in any way, shape or form have a refrigerator in the garage for them, it's a great way for them to be able to not necessarily check in, but maybe have access to drop their um, drop their groceries. And I just want to put that out there because I do hear a lot of, especially beach and lake hosts talk a lot about, that's one of the issues is guests wanting to um, enjoy the beach the first day of check-in, even though they can't check in till four. But if you have that refrigerator that maybe you're getting ready to leave from your house, maybe just put it in there and not even early check-in, but it is a nice amenity to offer as an extra that they can use during during the trip. So uh, I'm super pumped for the A-Frame at Lake Ozark because they are newer to the scene too. So I'm excited for them. And j- just go in and look. It's super well-designed and they have some amazing amenities on the exterior too. So they're leaning into everything lake life there. But Sarah, let's get on to this episode. Okay, and so- this, but this episode is interesting. It's kind of a piggyback yes. off of... An episode we did earlier, in the earlier days. So if our guest today, um, Jeff Brown, leaves out any details about the details of his vacation rental properties, don't fret because he's, he wants, he's here to educate us today. Um, check out episode 62, Creating an Unforgettable Airbnb Experience, Star Wars Edition with Brindy Barton. So she talks about really like the having more thematic uh, short-term rentals, um, but... Jeff is here today. So we're going to learn how to dream big and scale our businesses with investor capital, which is a really interesting uh, standpoint to look about. You don't have to know. Everyone's like, well, how do I afford to, to scale? Well, it's like, well, if you've got the operations and a really good business foundation, I'm telling you what, other people don't want to be as active with their money as you do. So Jeff Brown is the co-founder of Loma Homes, which is a vacation rental brand that specializes in unique and themed experiences. And we'll let Jeff dive in more to who he is and what his business does. And then of course, how he is doing it. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, heard so many good things about your podcast and I'm just honored to be be on it. So um yeah, so Loma Homes, we started, uh, you know, it kind of started as a side business. Uh, I was working full-time for a startup, tech startup. It's kind of where I got my background in data and analysis. So um, my my experience or my expertise is in just big data and, and making a lot of analysis. So um, I bought just one vacation rental on the side, bought it out in Joshua Tree. 
and managed that part-time. Um, and then, you know, I, at the time, this is way before Joshua Tree was like a huge thing. I was going to say, what year, can you, can you take us back? What year was that, Jeff? Oh, Just to give I want to say this was like 2016, okay. 2015-ish. Cool. Uh, let's see, 20, maybe, yeah, 2016, 2017. Anyway, um, I just ran some numbers and it came up as this really profitable spot. Um, and, uh, but the inventory, there was just nothing there. Um, they were, at the time, before, you know, there were there wasn't a lot of development happening. It was all trailer parks, and so I I had I had these friends named Kyle and Brindy, and they flipped homes all across the country. And I was like, "You guys do awesome work." And I don't know how you do it remote, but hey, can you do me one? <laughs> and yeah, and and so I said, "Hey, there's this really random place." They had to look it up on the map. They're like, "I don't know where Joshua Tree is, but let's do this." <laughs> and uh, they they really nailed the culture. They went there. They kind of figured out, okay, this is like super hippie bohemian. And um, they bought this dome. They put some trailers around it, decked it out with local artist murals and just really nailed the culture. And uh, so I I managed that for about a year and a half, two years. And uh, they could kind of see the profit I was making on it. And they were like, yeah, we're in the wrong business. So <laughs> well, they, so they just helped you flip it. They weren't any sort of partner on anything else. You just paid them, signed, sealed, delivered. You rehabbed this this right. project for me. Okay, cool. Yeah, and and the benefit of doing that, if you if you guys, if any listeners out there want to do the same thing, the benefit of doing that is they buy it and rehab it, and then when you buy it from them, all that rehab and staging gets put into your um, finance. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're just buying it outright. So the bank appraises it. And as long as it appraises high enough, right, you, you get all of that lumped into the loan. So you're less cash in. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I bought that with the second home loan, you know, as like a vacation 10% down. Cool. And it was just to test the model and it worked. So we thought, hey, let's do this full time. And we sold that Joshua Tree home. We invested in Florida and uh, we've just been doing that ever since. So we, we, when we picked Orlando, it was because of the same metrics, right? It just had a high profit potential. Um, but when we really looked into the, the competition and found that Orlando was one of the most competitive yeah. <laughs> ever, right? right. <laughs> it was, it, there's literally like tens of thousands of vacation rentals. So we're like, if we're going to go in there, we can't just start new because there's so many people that have been there for years and they have like hundreds of reviews. And so we, we said, if we're going to go in there, we've got to do something different, like way different. And um, we could see that the the best properties were theming and they were putting like, oh, they'd have like a, a, a Minions vinyl on the wall and like some some sheets of Darth Vader, right? And it was like, okay, we can we can do better than this. And so Brindy, um, you know, she's the design genius. She went in, she, we got some theming contractors. We got the special effects and the fog machines and the lighting and the, you know, sounds. And, and so we really made a theme park out of each home. And that's been uh, been what we've done in Orlando. Since then, we've expanded to Panama City Beach, Destin area, and done some beach themes as well. Um, but that's that's where we're at today. All right. So this episode is all about dreaming big. Uh, so where do you want to take Loma Homes? We are out to create an experience brand. So um, if you, as you think about what brands you know of in the hotel space instantly it comes to mind. You've got Marriott, you've got Hilton. Now think what brands do you know about in the vacation rental space, mm-hmm. right? It's just like long silence. So um, we wanted to create our space in vacation rentals. We wanted people to be like, well, have you heard of Loma Homes? Because they're the ones that do these crazy experiences. And if you really want 
something unique and something that has awesome customer service and that always has clean properties, you go to Loma Homes, right? So that was kind of what we're out to create is this brand that people know and recognize and trust. But in the beginning, because everyone hopefully listening to this, and if you don't know yet, you will know soon that buying the home and then furnishing the home it's a whole nother level of expenses because there aren't things like, you know, when you move in a place, you're like, oh, we'll do that later. We'll get a new couch later. We'll, we'll, we'll outfit the spare room later. There is no later if you're going to put your, put the house up on the market for vacation rental. Did the three of you have enough money to do this? Was the plan all along to, to bring investors in? Talk to us about thinking of this plan. We want to quit our jobs. We want to grow this brand. This brand, it's just, it's, reeking of needing a lot of capital to me. Yes. (laughs) So, and and in this market, so it's not only, you know, purchasing, but I know what you guys are doing and and everybody listening, please, if you, if you're not driving, go to Loma Homes right now, because I think it'll really give you uh, on their Instagram, it'll really give you a feel for what Jeff is is speaking about. So talk to us about funding that because as the listeners are are reviewing your spaces, they're going to say, wait a second, this is not a cheap Mm -hmm. endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people see our properties and they're like, wow, some rich guy must have really like just gone all in <laughs> on this. Bored right? with his money. <laughs> yeah. Just some rich guy is bored. Um, and let me be clear. None of us are rich. <laughs> and the, the idea is to change that. Okay. Um, but uh, none of us are rich. So uh, what we had to do is Kyle and Brindy, um, like I said, they'd been flipping houses for some time. And so they had some experience Um fundraising for flips specifically. So they had some contacts that they gained trust with. And a few of those contacts were willing to fund our first property. And they thought, hey, we've, we, you know, we don't know about this thing, but hey, like you guys have done well in the past. So let's just do it again. Um, and with that first property, we were able to start kind of proving some numbers and start to get a little bit of track record under our belt. And then we expanded to the rest of our friends and family and said, okay, guys, like this is working. If, if you want in on the next one, and and then from friends and family, once you really start to to kind of build that, you know, then you can start to expand that circle a little wider and and get more people involved. But it it's all about like it's like building a fire. You know, you have these little sparks, and you really have to care for it and treat it just right until it until it grows. And then once it's to a certain level, you just stoke stoke more wood on it. So let's talk about that part, right? So putting the more wood on, what does that mean? So are we just you know? assigning these investors promissory notes and they're putting money in your bank account and mm-hmm. and you're promising them to pay them a bloom payment at the end like you know because you're are you refinancing like so t- talk to us about these specifics how are you raising the money how are you able to do these these awesome projects yeah so um i think it's important to talk about some of the legalities um obviously i'm no lawyer uh and i'm no uh, Neither are we, about, everybody. Yeah, Neither no, are we. We are no not lawyers. We are no lawyers. We are, this is not episode. anything. Yep. <laughs> Clear ourselves. Well, this we, is not financial so, advice. Nope. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what we found out really quickly when we decided, oh, let's just go get some funding. We thought we, we actually jumped into it with a really naive perspective. And we thought, okay, we'll just write up an operating operating agreement. It says, you give us this, we'll split it this way. And away we go. And we, as we got, we talked, started talking to attorneys to get that written up. They're like, wait a minute, you're, you're selling securities. Like you realize that, right? And we're like, what, what does that even mean? And what that means is if you're selling a piece of a company, you're selling a security. And that has very strict guidelines from the SEC. So 
If you're going to, so there's really two ways. If you want to get investor capital, get other people's help in the invest or getting uh, scaling, there's really two ways to do it. One's really easy, but it has some limitations. And the other is really hard, but you can, it's a lot of, anyway, I'll go over those two options. Um, the, the first way is to just put your investor on title. That's, that gets you past all of the regulations. You just have to have whoever's putting the money in on title. Now, the, 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 Problem with that is if the investor is not putting in enough to cover all of it, then you have to put another person on title. And so you can only really put two people on title. So that has to be you and the investor. So you really need one investor to cover all the income or all the cash needed for the investment. That's one way to do it. Um, the other way is a little more time consuming and a little bit more expensive. And if you're going to sell a percentage of an LLC, which is what we do. So we, we start a new LLC and we sell shares of that LLC to our investors. Then that LLC is what goes on title to the, all the homes. So we raise a fund and that fund um, buys all the homes and then the investors own a piece of all of those homes. Now, in order to do that, you have to do what's called a PPM. It's a private placement memorandum and it's like a 100-page legal document that outlines all the risks of the investment. So this is in it, it, this, uh, this was whatever the word is. It, it, it makes you um, not liable for all of the potential risks of the investment. If, if something goes wrong, you're not liable for it. Um, now that doesn't, if you are fraudulent or if you are, um, you know, you do something bad, then you, you're still liable. There's, right. no, there's no protection against that. Right. But if the economy just slumps and your business goes under, they can't sue you for the investment if you have a PPM. Okay. And that's what it's for. Now, if you don't have a PPM and you try to sell a percentage of your LLC, you go to jail. <laughs> okay. So that's what our attorney told us. He okay. said that when it comes to the SEC, um, there's no forgiveness for naivety. So like if you accidentally kill somebody, it's different than if you intentionally kill somebody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's different punishment, not with the SEC. If right. you accidentally sell a percentage of your company and not knowing that it was illegal, they really don't have any forgiveness for that. So right. you just got to be careful. And let's real quick for listeners, just in case there's any confusion. So when your friends used to flip houses and they would get investors, those investors weren't buying a piece of the equity of the home. They were just funding the projects and then making an, an interest back on their money being loaned out. And then it was done. They got their money back plus interest. They wipe their hands of it. They move on. What you're doing is so that you can scale and grow big is sharing off pieces of ownership to your, to these properties. Correct. And then there's doing that, there are two ways to do it, which we just went over with Jeff. Is that correct? That's right. That's correct. All right. Yeah. Wheels are spinning, I'm sure, for everybody. I I have some questions about, you said you're a data data guy. And Mm -hmm. for our listeners, like, what are some key metrics? Like when you're like looking at markets or looking at a home, what are some things like, no matter what, what are your like top three? These are the things I'm going to look at immediately. Or there are the things that you have to, that you have to have. What are some basics? And basics too, that are like across the country, like something that you would just, if it's someone that's in a metro market in a vacation, what are just some numbers or some data that you think are a necessity to, for them to analyze? 
Yeah. When, when analyzing markets, um, we look at the highest profitability uh, score and you can find this in AirDNA. AirDNA publishes this. Mm-hmm. You can go to their, you can go to a free blog and you can find like their highest investability scores. But investability is their way of saying the difference between the potential revenue and the cost of the home. So you want the lowest cost of home, highest potential revenue. And people get really like, people get really tied up in like occupancy and nightly rates. None of that matters. It's really what what, what matters is revenue. So if you're talking about nightly rates and like, yeah, but you can charge $1,000 a night. Yeah, but if your occupancy is 10%, it doesn't really matter. So just make sure you're looking at revenue um, and looking at the average cost of the home. We have some ratios we use. I'm happy to share if you want to go into those, but we, we have some ratios that determine what a good purchase price is for a home based on its revenue. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, Give it to us. Yeah, if I you mean, don't mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. So if you're, for those of your listeners that are familiar with traditional real estate, they have what's called the 1% rule. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I think it's one. So your, your monthly mortgage or your monthly, sorry, your rent, your monthly rent should be at least 1% of the total purchase price. Yes. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in today's market, that's Hard. nowhere to be found. <laughs> right. Nowhere to be found. Yeah. Um, the short-term rental uh, market needs a percentage rule that's different because you have seasonality yeah. and no month is the same. So right. what we do is we convert that to an annual percent rule. We call it the 20% rule. So um, your annual revenue needs to be at least 20% of your purchase price. Like so that. if... So if you are making a hundred, if you estimate a hundred grand a year on the property, then you need, you can't spend more than 500 grand on it. Okay. Um, our rule is 20%. What we recommend to others that aren't, that don't, maybe don't have investors or they're not, um, or they're going to manage it themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do a 15% rule or even a little bit less because you're still going to be okay. We, we shoot for really high margins because number one, we're doing a ton of renovations into the properties and adding a lot of value. Number two, um, we share our profits with investors. And um, I mean, with those, I really, those two things, we need more profit than your average. Mm-hmm. So is that uh, purchase price, does that, so that does not include if it needs improvements, like that's what you can purchase it for, but then you need to leave buffer space if it needs a new kitchen or bath or you... Exactly. It does include that. So it needs to be purchase price plus okay. improvements. Should yeah, that's 20, a good clarification. 15 to 20% of what you could, got it. Yeah. Okay. And so, and what are your thoughts too when you're looking for a, a space? Um, is it like, do you have any exit strategies other than uh, the short-term rental avenue? I mean, what are you and your your partners thinking about? Like, do you, would you guys, I mean, you're making these themed spaces too. So when we talk about you're adding value, it's value if it's a rentable vacation rental, but mm-hmm. how do you guys approach that if for, when it comes to exit strategies or something changes in that market or your ability to run it out vacation style? I love that question because we're in the, we're in the thick of it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 13 properties, properties at the moment that were either in process of rehab or are live. And um, we actually have started to talk to some potential buyers of the assets. So um, there are private equity companies, so big institutional companies out there that are looking to get more return on their real estate investments. Well, real, vacation rentals are the perfect avenue for that. I mean, they, they make so much more than your average traditional real estate investment that they um, are willing to pay a bit of a premium for the same home. 
So we're actually considering selling our assets, keeping the management company. So we'd continue to manage the same properties, um, but then we could actually sell our assets and make a huge return on that um, and rinse and repeating that. So that's actually a, a potential exit strategy that people might think about. And it's very new. It's very cutting edge. People are starting to... The private equity companies are just starting to realize that vacation rentals are a real mm-hmm. thing and that they can get more money if they actually invest in those. So um, that's potential. Oh, right so... There. and. Listeners, we've had some conversations with Jeff prior to this episode. So this is kind of newer for us. I have a question about that, the management. Is that something right now? Are other vacation rental homes coming to you and either A, asking for your team to manage or for you to design? What are What's your stance on that? Because I know you, when you, you have no do full equity service, stake. Yeah. yeah, like, hey, are, are people knocking on your door? I know it happens to Sarah and I every day of like, can you... Can you manage for us? Can you help me with this? What is that happening to Loma Homes? And how are you? Are you just saying that's that's not part of our portfolio? Yeah, we get that every day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we get people asking if we will both design and manage. And um, people ask us like, why don't you just start a business in theming? Like, this is incredible. Um, and the reality is it's, it's a ton of work. Right. I mean, if you'd have to pay us a whole lot of money to theme those because we're in it for the long term. So we're willing to do the work up front so that we can eventually sell the asset. Right. But really our strategy is to create income on this property and that we can sell the property on a basis of its income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That provides a, a, a huge amount of profit um, that you can't get uh, anywhere else. And so for us, that's really the long-term play and just doing theming for other people. Well, number one, just increases our competition. Right. Um, and number two, it just, it's kind of, it's a lot of work for a little money. It's not as exciting too. When you think about yeah. long-term wealth and building, like you said, being in for the long haul, do you have, and this is kind of a, we did not ask Jeff to prepare this. So if you don't have the answer, that's totally fine, Jeff. But when you go to sell a prop, let's say you do sell those 13 properties. Is, do you have a rule of thumb of how, what, how do you value you creating that income and that themed space. Like how the heck do you, okay, here's what the property is worth if it was just a nice home that's, you know, mm-hmm. nice bathroom and kitchen. Yeah, the comps on like that You're stuff. giving them numbers, a themed space. Like here, maybe you're even giving them like the cadence of conversation to the guests, like all those things. So how do you price that? Do you, have you figured that out yet? We haven't, um, but we, I mean, well, I'll tell you when we complete our first exit. Okay, sounds okay. great. <laughs> so wait, wait, hold on. Will you come back on the show? I'm, I'm going to ask for it right now. You don't have to talk numbers. Well, I'm, I'd want you to, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll just go through the ins and outs. Oh, poor Jeff. <laughs> I will say though that, so my husband and I, we didn't know what we were doing. It was 2016 or 17. We bought a home in New York City short-term rented out the basement, had its own entrance. We did a whole big renovation. We sold it to a person who wanted to rent it as, he's like, I just want to take what you're doing and just continuing it. And we didn't know what the heck we were doing. So we added like, I think it was like 10% to like, you know what I mean? Cause we were like, we just picked a number out of the air. They're like, sounds great. And I was like, shoot, we probably really undersold ourselves. <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're like, no problem. Cause we gave them the furniture, the decor, the books, the numbers. You gave them a business. I gave you, them a business. You, you built a business for them. Yeah. And so it's just a different animal than just a regular real estate transaction. Yeah. So this is going to go into a little bit of um, commercial real estate. And this is kind of commercial real estate 101 here. Um, But when it comes to the commercial real estate world, the way they make money is they buy or build an apartment complex, let's say. And let's say they buy it for a million bucks. Well, the way you value apartment complexes is by its income or its profit, I should say. And they call it NOI or net operating income. 
So, and they buy it on a multiple of that income. So let's say, and, and no property sell for a 10 cap, but what, let, let's say that they're going to sell it at a 10% cap rate. What that means is if it's making $100,000 a year in profit, if it sells at a 10% cap rate, that means that that income is 10% of its value. So that means it's worth a million dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the traditional real estate world. Now they value these and compare these properties using what's called a cap rate. What, what do I just, what, what I used to write. And the going cap rate in the commercial space right now is like 5%. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Like that's 20 <laughs> times its profit. Yeah. Right. Um, you could buy a, a business, an e-commerce business for three times its profit, but yeah. real estate has, it's a law, it's, it's just a proven business and institutional investors are willing to buy lower returns for lower risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so really that's what our play is, is that we're, we're generating higher, a little bit higher returns to these, these uh, low risk investors. And we're, we're trying to create that. So when you think about your, um, your vacation rental business, the goal is to sell it at a cap rate. Mm-hmm. Because if you do, and you just calculate your own profit, let's say it's 50 grand for the year. If you buy a five cap, a 5%, multiply that 50 grand by 20. And that's the value of your home. Wow. Now, it's very unusual to sell a single home at a cap rate. Right. Because institutional investors aren't looking for it. And so the only people that's going to buy one property is the guy down the street that wants to use it. And so they're going to appraise it differently, right? But if you get a portfolio together and you get 10 or 20 properties all in the same portfolio, well, guess what? Your buyer is different and they're going to look at the valuation differently. They're going to use a cap rate. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we're doing. Oh, okay. So here's my question. You just mentioned though, like maybe someone, you know, you could sell this, your current portfolio of like 13 and rinse and repeat. Will that investor, it will, do you think they, they could potentially say, no, we don't want you renting a repeat because then you're going to be our competition. Um, do you foresee that being something that could be a deal breaker either way? Like they're like, look, we want to buy this at your cap rate, but we don't want you continuing it in Orlando. You go somewhere else. It, it, is that, are you anticipating that happening or especially if it is rinse and repeat and you're creating almost the same exact experience and maybe better experiences because mm-hmm. you've learned a lot of lessons. So is that something they could put into the deal at all? I, I would, I mean, there's, that's always a possibility. My guess though, is they would probably come at us with an offer like, hey, we want more of these. We'll fund your next ones. Right. Okay. That's what I'm thinking too. That abundance mindset is probably where, yeah. Yeah, because um, what we're tapping into here is a very old traditional real estate world. And in this real estate world, and I've just learned this as we've kind of gone along, but there are a lot of people like me who create, um, who flip assets and sell them to institutional investors. It is a huge business. We're talking multi-billion dollar business. All the apartment complexes and, and commercial spaces out there probably achieved, probably went through the same process. Someone saw an opportunity, flipped it, sold it to an institutional investor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's so normal for people like the, like me. They don't see me as like competition. They probably see me as a supplier. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Are you worried about them continuing on at the same standard you've created before you sold it? Or like, how do you... I know that Annette and I just care so much about every single one of our spaces and we care about the guests and this industry as a whole. So 
you know, how do we, you know, be good players in this industry and not purely focus on the profits, but also focus on this industry? Because as you know, even in Orlando, right? Like where vacation rentals are super strict because communities care very much about like absentee, not even landlords, but operators. Well, we're not selling the property management company. We're selling the asset. So the the thing that this that this current buyer likes about our offering is we're going to keep the management and we're going to sign a 15-year contract of management that says, you're going to continue to let Loma Homes manage this for X rate. So we can still be involved in the community. We still manage the properties. We still have all ownership and management of it. We're only selling the asset. Got it. And that's and amazing and, too, because you're making, still have the yep. management income after you've already like reaped the profits from the whole. Exactly right. And and this is what listeners, Sarah and Jeff and I actually had this conversation before we press record. If you are co-hosting or property manager or anything, this is one of the, the topics that we feel some management companies don't talk about enough. They only talk about managing properties and getting more properties under their belt to manage. We want the conversation to be like, how can we own more properties and manage them? Both. Like, so there can be this, mm-hmm. this marriage there where like Loma Homes bought them in the originally and then sold them and then is still managing, or you can do it vice versa. You can manage if they want to sell the home, tell them, hey, can I have first right of refusal if you ever want to get rid of this home? Because as man, you know, managing it, I know it the best. But there's there's like a lot of different ways to do this. And we just don't want you to get so zoned in on this one opportunity. Either or like, oh, I just want to manage homes or oh, I just want to buy homes. There really is a way to, to weave it in and extract as much profit um, as possible. But the whole goal too of selling this this package too, Jeff, right, is that you guys can maybe think bigger with your ownership component of mm-hmm. your business. Is that correct? That's right. So the goal for us is that if we can liquidate our current portfolio of assets, well, that, what that does is it frees up a lot of capital for us to, number one, buy more properties without investor you know, right. money. So now we own 100% of the homes to do it again. Um, it also gives us more capital to scale our operations. So um, as you can imagine, theming properties is labor intensive. And so building out a team that can do lots of those at the same time, it will be, you know, part of that. So there's a lot of options. Once you have some cash, you know, you really can invest in the business. And that's, that's what we're trying to do with this first round is get the cash we need to, to really double down. Let's talk about that component of, yes, it's labor intensive to flip these proper, to flip them into themed properties, to theme them. And then let's talk about this labor shortage right now and just continuing operations. I mean, there's nothing more active than a short-term rental uh, operational. So how are you doing this from afar? How are you doing this while also raising money and getting creative with how you exit and get in and all that? So how are you doing all that from afar? Well, I have to give enormous credit to my partners. Kyle and Brindy are incredible. So when it comes to all of the boots on the ground work of renovations and real estate flipping and all of that, um, my partners do all of that. So they have just taken on taken on enormous amounts of work there. Um, I specialize in investor relations as well as um, some of the uh, research and development for which areas we go into um, and also the marketing. And so... Um, I think having, I think it's very rare, if not completely un, unknown, to have all of those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the work Brindy does on the properties is like I said, phenomenal. And I don't, I don't know many people that could even do that, let alone do that. And my specialty in data. So it's just kind of like provides a good combination. And I'd say that to, to really think big, you need to understand what you don't do well and be willing to partner with those that do those things well. And if you, and if you ever get into a partnership, making sure that your roles and responsibilities are aligned and different Mm-hmm. So that you don't provide the same value in the same area. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't complement. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So make sure you find a good complement to your business. Um, but I'm not to say that one person couldn't do all those things. It just means that you're probably not going to be as good at something um, than if you were to specialize and, and get someone else on your team. Your investors, how do you let them have any say? Are you like, hey, you can have a piece of this, but we don't want to hear from you? Like, how does that conversation go? What are those expectations? Yeah. What if they're like, I love Harry Potter? That's wrong. You you should do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's actually part of the PPM. So um, when we write up our documents, um, there's terminology that's used in that document. And one, the two terms that are used are general partner and limited partner. The general partner is the decision maker. They're the person raising the funds. They're the person managing. So that's us, right? We're putting it all together. The limited partner means they're literally passive. They have no voting rights. They have no decision-making power. Um, When they sign that document, they're literally giving us their money and hoping for the best. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I I have some questions, if you don't mind answering these. From From a guest booking a themed property, what... What's some extra layer? Like what's, obviously, if you have your vacation rental, your short-term rental, there's expectations. I just feel like there's probably this additional layer of expectation from your customer because of this (laughs) themed experience. What are some things that like, because you're providing this experience that you guys need to go above and beyond on or that you've, that's been a challenge, you know, of people's expectations? Because I'm going to, listeners, I just got back from Disney and they freaking nail it there. Like I was blown away at every single detail and and just my whole entire arrival experience to the day, to leaving. I, I was there several times, but this is 25 years ago. So what are some of those things that you're noticing guests, especially because they are in Orlando, they probably are going to the Magic Kingdom and they're just kind of living this themed life. Mm-hmm. What's happening there? Like, what do you see? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Um, guests expect a lot because we, we charge more, right? We have a premium. So you definitely cannot, um, you cannot cut corners that will make you look like you're tight-fisted. Mm-hmm. So um, that includes toilet paper and all the consumables. Do not scrimp on toilet paper. It's just not worth the extra $2, right? Mm-hmm. Um making sure you have good soaps and good smelling soaps, um, making sure uh, the other thing is cleanliness. Like, I mean, that's a loaded one because uh, like you mentioned, there's the labor shortage and the problems you have with cleanliness as a result. Um, But if people are paying a premium, they expect that thing to be brand new Mm -hmm. and making it look brand new is really important. So um, how we do that, if you want to go into that, we can. Uh, but we definitely see an, an increase in expectations because of the theming elements that we have. Well, even just like, you know, is this fog machine running right at check-in time? Is there music playing when they open the door to Harry Potter world? You know, I mean, how, how in-depth do you guys go to that check-in experience and, and wowing them? 
Yeah, um, we we've experimented with different uh, smart home tech things to make those things happen as they arrive or as they're as they're getting there. We've not yet found a reliable solution for those. We've tr- we've tested like Google Home and other things to make sure that we, we we tried to make it so they walked in. There was like this ambient music playing, and then the fog machine come. You know, it's all just like you described theatrical, um, yeah. But there's a there's a fine balance between reliability and 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 that ex, that type of experience because if the Google Home speaker half the time is is saying I could not connect to this device, <laughs> you're just you're it's done. You missed the mark. The yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we had to we had to turn off some of those things because it was just being annoying. But um, once we find the right home technology that can do our special effects. Uh, we will we will go to that level, but um, we right now we're trying to create a consistent experience. Yes, and I love that. Technology's not there yet. What it, like we already like you consistent experience. What happens when I mean, what happens if a, you know a guest breaks up? Like if some if somebody breaks something in our home, let's say it's a bed or you know a TV, like that's pretty easy turnaround for us. We can like go out that day most of the time mm-hmm. and and fix that. What if someone rips, you know, I don't know, like a custom yeah, made. What are your custom, like, have you had some incidents like that? Some damages and like yours isn't this normal, like, hey, here's my receipt for the TV you broke. It's like, you know, what are you doing with damages? Is that mm-hmm. happening to you? It's a good, yeah. The reality is um, we've been really lucky okay. with um, themed because the themed elements that we're putting in, like the custom carpet beds and stuff, they're actually coated with like a, it's kind of like a rhino lining. Like it is indestructible. Okay, cool. Um, And then they, they paint it and then they coat it again with something that doesn't, you know, that they can, they can easily wipe off. So they're really durable and you get, they, they build these for like, you know, laser tag arenas. So they're used to people running around and bumping into them and things like that. So we really haven't had a ton of, uh, problems there. Sometimes we'll get like stains on the wall. And and if that damages a mural that's on the wall, then, um, you know, we have somebody local that can go and touch up paint. Nice. Uh, but if there were a, a large damage like that, um, we would have to, you know, get a new one made and shipped and installed and all that. And it would be expensive, um, which is why we have property protection on our properties of up to like five grand, I think it is for those types of damages. And it would cover that. I think um, a single piece installed and everything would probably cost us four or five grand. Yeah. What's your direct booking versus using the online travel agencies? What's that look like for you guys? Right now it's between 30 to 40% direct. Cool. Um, We're shooting for 50, uh, but we're pretty excited about where we are right now just because we've, we've not been at it super long. Typically it takes years and years to get to a 50% level because that's where all your returning guests are coming from, right? Um, but we're hoping that as we get more returning guests, we'll be able to get it to that 50%. We have to tell our... Actually, we need to take like a, a timeout for one second and just let our listeners know, you guys, we're saying words like Star Wars and Harry Potter. Please, if you're like, if your wheels are spinning about creating some sort of themed experience... There are trademark laws out there. So we would not use these type of words about their property. Um, Please be very careful of whatever you want to create your property around. Um, Whether it's a movie, if it's a university. I come from a long line of getting cease and desist in a a past career. Um, Not proud of that, but it just was ignorance and, and we learned. So 
again, I don't care if it's a university, if it's um, movies, if it's anything, um, just be very, very careful that you're doing your work about who owns the the theme that you're trying to relay. You know, there's you can't they can't own all of it, so you'll kind of want to go around it. And you can you can look at Loma Homes and how they've done that. But I know we've been saying some words on the show that are, is kind of siloing, but that's not what it is. So we just want you to be very um, very aware that that's the danger zone that you get in if you're starting to use other people's. You just have to be creative around it. Is there anything you can speak to on that, Jeff? Just like with with our listeners, like what they should do if they're wanting to do something around a theme. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, we have a long, um, we've learned a lot of lessons. Sure. Uh, and unfortunately the hard way on that. So we don't build Star Wars or Harry Potter homes. Like for the record, we don't do that. (laughs) Right. That's why I wanted to mention Um, that because we've been using that loosely. We did do a galaxy themed home. We did do a a wizard themed home. When our wizard themed home went live, um, it took about a month to get a cease and desist on that one. (laughs) Um, and, I, I, it's, it's a very, very delicate balance. So I, we've learned, like I said, we've learned a lot of things, what we can and can't do, but even if you do it right, it doesn't guarantee someone won't come after you. Right. Because these big brands spend a lot of money to make them big brands and they don't like it when other people make money on them too. I, I agree. Right. For sure. Yeah. So, um, what I would say is that I would I would stray away from anything that is non-generic mm-hmm. um, so that you don't get yourself in trouble because some of these brands will actually sue you if they if it looks like you have money. Mm. Right? Even if you could win. Yeah. If it looks like you there's money there to be had, they could still sue you. So right. it's a lot of stress you don't need to deal with. Right. And listeners, seriously, like my past with season desist, like these companies, they employ attorneys too strictly troll the internet every day to see infringements. Like that is their job. That's what they're paying them for. So don't think you're going to like fly under the radar and nobody's, oh, they're too big. They're not going to pay attention. No, someone is employed to find you. (laughs) And again, like Jeff said, they've worked really, really hard on their brands and building them and they should spend that time and energy to protect them. So, um, Yeah, we just we do want to put that out there because we're talking so much about themes and we have used some terms loosely. I just want to make sure, listeners, that you protect yourself and are smart about that if you if you want to do anything thematic at all. I have Absolutely. one last question to my last question. And it is the real estate market is crazy town. So mm-hmm. how is Loma Homes finding properties that meet your 15 to 20%? I mean, I know there's probably more wiggle room because of that. And is that is that the answer or do you is it having cash and you're paying more, way more than, like, tell us your, tell us your acquisition secrets. Yeah. Acquisition secrets. Uh, I wish it was an easy answer. (laughs) We have an answer, but it's not an easy one. And the the reality is you have to add value. Hmm. Um, Right. It used to be the case when I was buying a home in Joshua Tree, you could buy any property on the market, turn it into short-term rental and make a 20%, 30% rule. No problem. Um, But with real estate prices, the way they are, um, you really have to add a lot of value. And, and to give you, give you a, like a sense of what I mean by that, um, we bought a three bedroom home in Miramar beach in, uh, right by Destin. Um, it's pretty old, need a lot of updating. It's really quirky layout. We took out the entire first floor, which was only a garage at the time. It's like kind of one of those beach homes. It's like, yeah. like on stilts, you know, yep. so we took out the entire first floor, remodeled it, uh, into, 
three more bedrooms, four more bedrooms and two bathrooms oh, with wow. the game room. So it went from three bedroom to six bedroom. Um, and with its location and everything, it was able to more than pay off, you know, it, that ratio improved mm-hmm. between revenue and cost. Um, so my, my advice is to number one, pick a good area, but number two, add value. That's solid. All right. So where's Loma Homes going to be in five years from now? Five years from now, um, we're going to be hopefully owning 80 to 100 properties. And it, whether whether we're owning them or managing them, we won't know, but um, one of the two. Uh, and we want to be we want to ha- be in at least four or five locations by then um, and have established a brand that people talk about. And is that established brand, is that really the linchpin to finding people, investors or, you know, part, invest, capital investors to partner with on these properties? Is that how you're finding them? Like, and is it, is it as scary as asking people for money? I'm using air quotes, or is it like, here's an opportunity to join this really exciting movement that we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. You can't ask that. Yeah. If you're asking people for money, you'll never get any. Um, you really have to offer them an opportunity in your business. And uh, you have to see it that way too. And that's the Mm -hmm. same way in anything in sales. If you believe in your product, Mm -hmm. you really feel like you're offering something. And that's key in in any sales sales role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's where we're... Hey, that's a great way to end it. What do you think? That's the wrap on All right, yeah. (laughs) But Jeff, where can can our listeners uh, find you or reach out to you or Loma Homes? What's the best way? Yeah, you can uh, you can either email me at Jeff J E F F at Loma Homes dot com, um, or you can find us on our website www.loma Homes dot com. We are so like appreciative of your time. I hope listeners that you got your pen and paper out. We're taking notes, and everybody go like Loma Homes. Give them some yeah. love on Instagram <laughs> if you're not following them. Follow follow along because it's fun. Definitely fun to watch. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. All right, listeners, I am Sarah Karakayan. I am Annette Grant, and together we are Thanks Thanks for for Visiting. visiting. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Thanks for Visiting podcast. Head on over to the show notes for this episode at thanksforvisiting.me. If you're looking to take your listing to the next level and show your guests how much you care, be sure to check out our line of thoughtful hosting products from hosting checklists to custom mugs to toilet paper stickers. We've got you covered. And if you love our show, remember, sharing is caring. Please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Awesome reviews help us bring you awesome content. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to hanging out with you next week. Thanks for visiting. Ever wonder what it would be like to have personalized guidance from Annette and me? Imagine achieving the same incredible results we helped Amy achieve, increasing her overall revenue by a staggering 187% by diving into her biz numbers. Or perhaps you'd love to boost your hosting business like Miranda, who added a fantastic $10,000 by refining her pet policy. Well, here's a scoop. There's only one way to get that one-on-one support from Annette, myself, our expert coaches, and our industry pros is by attending our on-demand workshop. Trust us, it's worth it. During the workshop, we'll make an offer to all of our attendees to join our membership. Once you're a part of our exclusive membership, you'll gain access to our elite community of hosts in our private Facebook group. This is where the magic truly happens. Members are engaging in discussions about their business numbers, occupancy rates, how to handle guest challenges, and providing unwavering support to one another. Plus, 
We will have live coaching calls to help you dive deeper into portfolio growth, team building, marketing, and so much more. Don't wait any longer. Head on over to www.hostmasterclass.com right now to secure your spot and embark on this exciting journey with us. That's www.hostmasterclass.com. Trust us, you won't regret it.